0: All right. How many of you have ever unfollowed somebody in social media? Yep. How many of you have been unfollowed in social media? Yeah. (laughs) Just telling the truth today will will cause that to happen. And we see that in social media, people are very finicky. And we saw in this little uh, Twitter video that people in Jesus' time were not any less finicky than they are today. They were, as Jesus started to feed people and heal them and do all the f- fun things people were following him you saw the numbers go up and then when he started to say really hard things then the, the numbers go down he, he did say some incredible things uh it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle what that's that's crazy rich people all scatter follow me and let the dead bury their dead the guy wanted to f- bury his father nope Look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. It took how many years? 50 years to build this? And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades, Matthew 11. You are whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. This guy is not trying to find a following. He's being unfriended pretty soon. It is necessary for me to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, to be killed and be raised in the third day. So basically every person in church is against Jesus, and he says so. He says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. The cross was not something you hang around your neck, but it was an instrument of torture, correct? So why would you want to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus? He said some very hard things. In fact, the people that were closest to him were also following him, and and we saw Peter said, I'm not going to deny you, and yet he unfollows and unfriends Jesus very quickly when it gets tough. And as we we see in our scripture, Jesus even said, all of you will unfollow me, all of you. And he's ever said that to you? I know you'll unfollow me after I ask you to do this. I know you're going to unfriend me when I tell you some hard things in your life that need to change. So in Matthew 26, 31, Jesus says to his flock, Hey, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. A little further, further down in Matthew 26, 47, while they're speaking, Judas came, with, uh, He was one of the 12, and he had this mark, I'm going to, whoever I, I kiss is the man, take him. And then he, he in verse 50, uh, he says to Judas, who has unfriended him and followed him already, Friend, do what you have to come, what you, what you did to come to do. Then he, they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Behold, one of those who were with him, with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Who was that? It was Peter, right? And then Jesus said, hold on, put your sword back in its place for all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? That hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber, with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the, in the temples teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this was taken place, that the Scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. And look at this. Then all the disciples left and fled. If we go to John's Gospel, the 18th, it, it's our or closer to our passage today, but it it sets up the the whole denial and unfriending of Jesus. And so Peter, um, verse verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus. So the other disciple, it's John who's writing the gospel. Since that disciple had been known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. Verse 17, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of the men's disciples are you, are you? "Hmm. I am not, he says. Now the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with him standing and warming himself. Drop down to verse 25, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. It's, It's typical, why not? So they said to him, you also are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, listen to this, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked him, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the rooster crowed. So we know what happens after that. We know Jesus is crucified, and then he's resurrected. We celebrated Easter last week. Amen, he has risen. He has risen indeed. And so Peter, they're, everybody's befuddled. What is going on? We, 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 didn't, this, we didn't know that the resurrection was going to happen, just like we don't know when the second coming is coming. I mean, some people may say they do, but we don't. We know that it's, it's, an, it's intimate. Um, uh, and Peter goes fishing. That's what he knew. And a lot of us will go back to things we know to ponder and wonder and figure out, what is God trying to do in my life? And so as Peter is fishing, they haven't caught any fish. And what does Peter do? He goes, I'm just going to fish. And they got to catch nothing. Jesus comes along. They don't really know it's him yet. And he says, let your nets down on the other side. You know how many fish they caught? 153. It's a lot of fish for, for, that, for that time. And so they pull it in. And by the time they get to the shore, Jesus has already cooked them a fish and egg breakfast. Uh, they have breakfast with, with Jesus. And then he has to do some business with our mouthy um, Peter, our our apostle, he has to do some business with this guy. He's impulsive, he's moody, he's mouthy. Uh, Anybody, does that describe any of us here? Sometimes. Your first point in your outline is that when Jesus calls you, it's personal. He'll speak your name. He'll call you by name. I remember when when Jesus said to me, Jeff, come unto me. I, I remember it very distinctly in middle school. Uh, they had to make that. And, he, and here uh, in our passage that we're particularly going to spend time most time in is in John 21. And Jesus calls P- Simon Peter. He says in verse 15, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Peter son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. There's a second personal call in verse 16. Again, Jesus said, Simon son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. There's a third personal call. The third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know that I lo- you you know all things. You know that I love you. You see, this is very personal. He calls him not by Simon, just Simon Peter, but also Simon, son of John. He it's a derivative. This is your this is where you're from. It's like when your mom calls you by your first, middle, and last name. When, when she wants to get your attention, <laughs> Jesus is about to get Peter's attention because Peter has to do some business with the living Lord. And so when, when you look at this, uh, Jesus calls each of us like that. He calls us out of the world and he says, listen, you've got all these things going on, but really you need to follow me. And, and we have a choice to unfriend or unfollow or follow and friend Jesus, and, and Jesus gives every one of us an opportunity to do that. And it's very personal. It's not going to be like, well, if you, you, know, if you, if you think God's good and you want to follow God, think it through, God, God will very personally call your name. And those of you who know Jesus uh, know that true. And some of you here may not know Jesus. And I, I just uh, ask that you think, maybe even bow your heads and say, Lord, are you real? I want to know you. Call me by name. Call me out of the crowd if, if I truly am to know you. So Peter, Paul, uh, Jesus does that to, to Simon because Simon's done some pretty bad things here, and Jesus calls us personally. So here, I want you to say your name out loud. It's just just a little exercise. Um, Jeff Spanos. So let's try it again for your name, Jeff Spanos. Can you say your name? Okay. Okay. All right, John. I heard John. Uh, well, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you to do this a couple times with each point. But so Jesus calls us personally. He says, "Will you follow me, Jeff, John?" Becky, after denying me so many times, after running away from the calling I've already given you, are you tired of disobedience? Are you tired of running? Are you tired of eating the slop of the world that you thought would please you, but it turns like chalk in your mouth? Are you tired of that? I'm going to call you personally out to follow me again. And I think, just follow me. And there's many, uh, many things, right, that we need to get right with Jesus, isn't there? I mean, anybody unfollowed Jesus? In the last 24 hours? <laughs> yeah. Any, anybody uh, unfriended Jesus by your, your actions, your attitudes, your, your mindset in the, in the last week? Absolutely. And, and, and the gracious thing about Jesus is he always calls us back personally, doesn't he? Amen. He's an awesome God. The second thing we see in this passage in, in chapter 21 is that not only is it personal that our calling Jesus, but it's also, it also has to be Passionate. Jesus calls Peter, and he says, what, what's the word he asked Peter about? G- Peter, do you love me? Now, love for a, for a guy to say, I love you, is, is a pretty difficult thing in, in general, right? And so, and Jesus calls him out, he says, do you love me? He asks him three times again, just like he said, Peter, Simon, son of John, he says, he wants to know the depth, he's probing the depth of, where Peter is. Because remember, Peter denied Christ. He didn't want to crucify Jesus. He, he didn't know really. He just wanted the stuff that Jesus was giving. Now Jesus is showing really who he is. He is, he is Messiah. He is the risen Lord. And so Peter asked, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And look at the, in verse 15. He adds a little bit more to that. What's he say? More than these. More than these. And we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit. Second question of depth he, he asked, Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the third question that he asked is the same thing. Simon, son of John, do you love me? You know, Peter's hurt, right? He's asked me three times, do you love me? And there's a point to Jesus. He doesn't use a lot of words that don't have meaning or power, does he? He speaks very clearly. And the words here of love is agape and phileo. I know pastors in the past have probably given you ideas of this and and a lot of people say that those two words can be used interchangeably. Um, phileo, you know, agape is that, is that deep, abiding, un- unconditional love. It's sacrificial. Usually it comes from God. Phileo is one that says deep fellowship, deep friendship. And so Jesus is, actually says to Peter, uh, Peter, do you, phileo, do you agape me? Do you love me so deeply? And, and Peter goes, I phileo you, Lord. You know, he, he can't get to agape. And the second question, Jesus says, do you agape me? Peter says, I phileo you, Lord. And then the third time, Jesus r- r- brings his expectations a little bit down and says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter says, I phileo you. And so some commentaries say they're, they're synonymous. You can interchange them. But if you, look at, if you do a word study on agape, um, it's, it is usually unconditional. But phileo is interesting because it's never used for the love of God. So I think Jesus is, is, is raising the bar here. Remember, Peter, you've already called me Messiah. You have, you have already kneeled on your, your knee and said, yes, you are the Messiah. Because he says, who do you think I am, right? And it's Peter who says, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And now Jesus has got to bring an account. Do you really still believe that? Sometimes he asks us that, doesn't he? Our, by our actions, our attitudes. Do you really still believe this, Jeff? Do you really still believe this by your actions, your attitudes, your, your mindset? I know your mind and heart. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Do you, do you agape me, Jeff? And he asked Peter, do you love, the, love me more than these? Who is he talking about? Is he, is he talking about uh, these men that he's with? Is he talking about the love of these men? Or is he talking about the love of things? I think it's all of those. Do you? Remember, you, you're the one who was the big mouth who said, they can all deny you. I'll never deny you. Even if you die, I'm going to go die with you. What's Peter do? Like a little scared kid, which I totally understand, he denies Christ three times. God gave him the opportunity. And Jesus even predicted, you will will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And I think Jesus does that with us. He knows our heart. He knows we're going to deny him. But he continues to call us back personally. Isn't that amazing? He continues to call us back with a passion. Do you love me? Not do you like me? Do you friend me? Are, are you okay with the things of God? Can you kind of just get along with people and do the the things that are helpful for your family? But you know, when you have a deep, abiding love and passion for Jesus, all those other things come into play. You're not lying and cheating and stealing in your business. You're you you are you're telling the truth at, at, at every level in your family, your friendships, and it's. When we're not in that abiding love, that deepness with the relation with Jesus, a lot of things become gray and fuzzy, don't they? They do. And, we, and Jesus continues to call us back, just like he calls Peter. And he said, and I think it's certainly key here, and it's easy to recognize that because Peter had denied Jesus three times, he asked him three times, right? It's, it's, it's simple math. Uh, Peter, d- hello, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And it's very important that Jesus asked this because Jesus, Peter just denied Christ just three days ago in the presence of his enemies. And now he's got to ask in the presence of the future leadership of the church, do you love me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to, are you going to friend me and continue to follow me? And the key here is that Jesus is reinstating Peter uh, before his fellow disciples. He's, he's forgiving him and he's, he's bringing commission. I think as a church we need to pattern that, and often we don't. We eat our we eat our young, we're, we kill our wounded, uh, and we need to be very careful. And as you as you're coming into a new season as a, a church looking for a new a new spiritual leader, uh, every one of you is a spiritual leader. You're under shepherds just like he is with Christ. When I had churches in New England, it's a tough crowd. I mean, you you, you could be a uh, you could be a you're always a flatlander. I, I had an obituary that that uh, my church planning director gave me when we moved in the first month. He said, Jeff, here's a doctor. He's 99. And he was born in New York. At one, he, was, he moved to Vermont. Um, and, and so his obituary says, uh, 99 New York doctor dies. S- so not, he'd been in Vermont 98 years, and that was a tough crowd. And so I th- <laughs> and still he's a New Yorker. It's the same way in, in church, sometimes we, we have we, we push people away, we we aren't we aren't forgiving, uh, and people among us we we say, well, that's, he deserved it because he did this. Instead of, brother, can I come alongside you and figure this out with you? Don't we? We kinda kick people in the shins when they got a broken leg in, in the church, and we've got to stop it. And Jesus does that with Peter, he pulls him aside, he says, Listen, I know you messed up. Let me ask you a question again. Do you love me? Are you are you gonna come alongside me again? It's a good question for us. Jesus asked us, "Are you going to follow me? Are you uh, are you going to continue to be selfish? Are you going to wholeheartedly follow me? And do you, do you? Here's the big thing: Do you trust me? I think often, like with our children, we used to say, "Do you trust me in this? And I'm even saying it to my adult children now. I'm giving you some advice. Do you trust me in in this? I've I've lived you know something years. Uh, and I might know a little different than you. Yes, but I'm like, okay, okay. And Jesus is even more. He knows more than I do for sure. And and his pattern, his his uh, principles uh, are are always. And they don't. If they're broken, the manual says there's pain. So Jesus says to each of us, and say your name out loud again, Jeff yes, Spanos. Do you love me more than these? More than anything else? People, things, titles, money prestige, health, comfort, life itself. Jeff, you've gone from preaching to meddling, right? Do you? Do you love me in a passionate, deep way? Well, here's the thing about it. <coughs> when we know that God calls us by name, and he calls us into this deep, passionate relationship, why is he doing that? Because he has a purpose for us. So point three in your outline is Jesus, following Jesus brings purpose. And, he, and what does he say to Peter in, the, in chapter 21? He says, f- verse 15, yes, okay, I get you, you love me. What's Jesus, what's Jesus say to him? It's very interesting. Feed, feed my lambs, verse 16, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. Huh? Is, is, is he calling people, Peter to be a, a leader of sheep? mm This is a deeper word. In, in the Greek, it's, it's actually take care of, exercise the office of shepherd. So Pete, not only has Jesus said, hey, I'm calling you out. I want you to reinstate your love for me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the work that I already called you to, and I'm going to help you. I want you to, to offer uh, office the, uh, the office of shepherd. I want you to be there. And there's, this is a commissioning for Peter to engage in pastoral duties. And God has called each one of us to a different type of ministry by your gifting and, and uh, and your work, but Peter's completely restored to his position of leadership. That isn't that God. If it was me, I'd have him go through so many committees. I would have him, uh, you know, go through reconciliation classes. I'd probably have him see a counselor for about six months. And, and then I'd say, well, now, brother, are you are are you ready? <sighs> I'm kind of exhausted. Yeah, I just want to follow Jesus. All right. Well, we'll, we'll kind of we'll let you usher for a little bit. And then we'll, we'll get you to Sunday school eventually. You know, you were there, you know, for 20 years. but th- That's the thing. We've, we've, I'm not making light of discipline, but we just got to be careful how much we do. Because we've got to take the pattern of Jesus. Jesus brings us to a place of saying, I have a purpose for you. Don't, don't put a lot of hobbles and hindrances uh, around those. He's completely restored. So three times he denied the Lord. Now three times he affirmed, he's affirmed his love for him. Three times we see him commissioned to care for the flock. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That's, that's the Lord. So any, it's almost like any mistakes in the past, Jesus has restored Peter to a place of trust. See, your, call, your calling is different than um, other people's calling, and we have a tendency to look around and say, "What about him? What about her? Well, how come I can't? Or what? Well, I well, I'm not going to do that. Then if if I can't do that, you know, and so, and John, Peter had a bit of that because he in, in uh, chapter 21 verse 18 he goes and he says, "What about John? You know, what about John? You know, you could you just hear the voice, right? Of Peter, he's the, he's the, the talkative one. He's going to ask you the hard questions, but uh, hasn't thought really clearly through them." And Jesus says to him, "Look, um, it's, it's none of your business <laughs> what happens to John. <laughs> In fact, uh, what you need to be, what's important to you, Peter, is that you that you glorify me. Look at," he says, uh, uh, "Verily, I truly, I, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go." Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. That's pretty powerful because Peter is led by in chains to his death and he doesn't feel himself worthy enough to be crucified like Christ, so he's crucified upside down, either in an X upside down or actually crucified upside down because he didn't feel, even after being reinstated, I think there's residual things in our life, isn't there, that we just don't feel uh, right before the Lord and Peter said, "I, I can't, my Lord was crucified, I need to be crucified even harder. And so, but Peter looks at John and, and Jesus says, hey, you know, your, your life and your death is gonna look different, but make sure it glorifies God. Make sure your life glorifies God. Make sure your death glorifies God. Could you imagine? We don't know how we're gonna die, but we, will it glorify God or will we, be, will we go kicking and screaming before the Lord and, and, and all, all of hell or heaven instead of saying, Lord, I've served you, I've followed you, I have no regrets because you've forgiven me, you love me. And when Jesus says again to me, reiterates in verse 22, you must follow me. So that's, that's, that's a powerful thing. And you, your calling is specific to the Holy Spirit's gifting and what he's called you to. So try not to be intimidated. In fact, a great study is Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, that we all have different gifts. We can try to conjure it up and fake it, but really if we kind of get in line and say, Lord, Whatever gifts you've given me, I want to be satisfied with that because I'm satisfied with you. Because it's, it, it's, it's an amazing thing to be. Because look, when Jesus calls you to himself, he, he loves you, he forgives you, he, he gives you a purpose, he gives you his Holy Spirit, he gives you God-like spiritual gifts that you never had before and empowers you, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. He gives you a new home, he gives you new affections, he gives you a new eternal purpose and job. Amen? Amen. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome God. So I'd like you to say your name one more time, out loud. Jeff Spanos. Are you ready for a purpose? A bigger pur- purpose than you? Are you ready to use your energies and your focus for the things of Christ? And he will empower you to do that work. I have a friend, uh, the pictures on the, will be on the picture on the um, screen here. Uh, Andrew and Noreen, uh, I went to school with Andrew and Noreen at Wheaton College and then we, they went on to Trinity Seminary like I did, and that's where I met Laura, my wife, and we got a master's degree, a couple of master's degrees there. you have a picture of Andrew and Aureen. Um And they, when we were at Wheaton and Trinity, we'd, we, we'd meet, because uh, they were former missionary kids. They were missionary kids. I guess you're always a missionary kid. And he um, said, we'd, we'd say, how do, we, how do we do things for Jesus tough things, things that we know that, that uh, God will honor. I said, well, the simplest things is just being who we are in Christ. And so when we, we, Laura and I went to Hong Kong, and then we said, where is it hard to do ministry in America? She's from Sacramento. I'm from Sarasota. There's church in every street corner. So Vermont was the most unchurched uh, state in the nation. And certainly it was. People didn't know who Billy Graham was. They didn't know the name of Jesus, unless it was a cuss word. Um, so when we started to reach those people in Vermont, it was amazing uh, to see people actually name the name of Christ because for three, four generations, they'd never even heard the name of Jesus. Is that amazing? Andrew and Noreen, their denomination said, we want you to go to England and train under this one famous guy, and then we want you to go to Turkey, <laughs> to Ismir, a Muslim country. And so they said, oh, it's not our first choice. It's like number 20. And what they said, we, we want you to pray about it. And they went to Turkey. For, so 25 years, for 25 years, Andrew and Noreen were in Turkey. They got about 25 people to attend their little church. It's amazing, really, in Turkey. And so two years ago, they went to renew their visa. And they've been talking about whether or not we're, we're, just, we're going to uh, um, try to become, not citizens, but just kind of permanent status. And so they went to renew their visas, and instead they were Arrested. arrested. And there was this coup that was in the government and uh, trying to overflow the, the president, and they threw, they threw Andrew in with this. Noreen was there for 10 days and released Andrew. They, they drug him along, and finally, six months, a year, 18 months, two years, in a prison cell that held supposed to hold eight people. It was 20 Muslim men, no deodorant, no air conditioning, for two years. He lost 50 pounds, almost lost his mind. And, and he, he, we had enough friends in Wheaton and, that were actually in the government that we got Sam, Sam Brown back involved, we got President, uh, Vice President Pence, and then finally, President Trump was involved. Well, there was embargoes that were put on Turkey that 350 million dollars in planes were not going to be sent to Turkey, And also there was embargoes on them to where their, dollar, their money was starting to wane. And, and, and um, all of a sudden, the, the trial was set, finally a third trial and then he was released and kicked out of the country and so when he, they came off they finally came to the White House they prayed with President uh, Trump I'm not sure you saw that every social media um, outlet small and large interviewed them and our Wheaton Alumni Magazine interviewed them last month and I just want to read to you some things that Andrew said he's got a book coming out at the end of the year called God, God's Hostage but he said a mentor of ours was Lyle Dorset and he said to to um, to Andrew, you concentrate on the depth and let God take care of the breadth. And he said, God was involved in this whole thing. Andrew said, it makes no sense that they held me as long as they did, considering the price that they paid that paid they paid for it. But then I I look at the worldwide uh, prayer movement that started and the number of people involved and their. The geographic distribution is astonishing. He received photos from churches in Brazil praying and heard stories of churches in Iran doing likewise. A house church network in China printed a million brochures following his imprisonment and how to pray. It was very moving to hear that Chinese and Iranian believers who had suffered so much were praying for me. I felt unworthy. He says, I hope that people are not turned away from missions. I think that the opposite will happen. I think if we tell people there's hardship uh, that calls for a deeper level of commitment, people will rise to that occasion. As Christians, we should know that we will have to go through suffering. It's not just for a privileged few. It's, it's a normal expectation for the Christian life, and we should be expecting it. Satan is trying to intimidate us and make us discouraged, regretting what has happened. But Scripture commands clearly that we are supposed to rejoice when people suffer, for the sake of the gospel. Andrew learned this the hard way. He said, he said I, I romanticized the vision of prison from reading many missionary biographies. It will be hard, but I would be filled with joy, and I'll have a real sense of God's presence, and his grace will pour over me, and I'll have a tremendous strength. That's what he, he read and thought. I was seriously disappointed in all those areas, he said. I was not filled with joy. Mine was a very hard battle. The first year I was broken, The second year, the Lord rebuilt me. (laughs) He says, I don't think we should be reckless, but we do need to be obedient. And God often puts his people at risk throughout history. And some have been persecuted and lost their lives. Jesus said it would happen, and he is worth it. In fact, when his mother came to visit him in solitary confinement, she told Andrew, a long line of people have been persecuted for the sake of Jesus, and from today to 2,000 years ago, and now it's your turn to stand in line. I didn't want to hear it, said Andrew. I just want to get out of there, but it is true, and I want to follow Jesus even harder harder. Could you stand with me?